0: value investing expert, Trey Henninger. Hello and welcome to episode 23 of the DIY investing podcast. My name is Trey Henninger and I'm your host. In today's episode, I will be discussing a very important mental model for value investors, discount rates. Discount rates are an incredibly important tool for investors as they are the critical valuation element in a discounted cash flow calculation. A brief aside and a reminder that this is a listener-supported podcast. You won't be hearing any advertisements in this episode because my goal is to provide value to you and work directly with you for support on this podcast. If you find value in this content that I am producing, I please consider becoming a patron at diyinvesting.org slash patron. The patrons are members that receive exclusive benefits and access to my personal investing research. If you'd like access to my personal investing research and also to support the show, please consider becoming a patron at DIYinvesting.org slash patron. This is how I choose to provide value to you and not use advertisements on this show. Thank you very much and let's dive right on in. So, There are two key topics around discount rates. First, what is a good discount rate to use and how does that play into discounted cash flow calculations? The focus for this podcast is on what is a good discount rate to select. And to discuss that, we need to understand first what a discount rate is. The discount rate is the number that you use in a discounted cash flow calculation that determines what your expected rate of return is that you want to receive on your investments. So you're trying to decide how much do I want to earn on my investments? How much do I need to earn on my investments? And that percentage, so it's it's done in a percentage, whether that be 5%, 10%, 15%, um, 6%, 8%, you choose. That percentage is what's used to determine how much money you expect to earn each year on an annual basis while you invest in your in the different companies and so when we're trying to select a discount rate our focus therefore needs to be on what do we want to earn what do we want to earn so if you're expecting an eight percent return on your investments then your discount rate should be eight percent if you're expecting a six percent return on your investments then a Then your discount rate should be 6%. And it is important to relate your discount rate to what you're going to earn on your investments and what you want to earn on your investments, because that is the only way to ensure that you're properly valuing your companies. When you complete a discounted cash flow analysis or DCF calculation, what happens is, is your discount rate is used to discount all future cash flows of the business back to the present day, and it's going to use a specific percentage that you selected. Now, that percentage is going to drastically change the valuation that you place on a different company, and so the discount rate is critically important for you to get right because Once you say, hey, this company is worth $100, well, it might only be worth $100 if your discount rate is 8%. But if you raise your discount rate to 10%, the company might only be worth $80. And so you need to know that and you need to understand that because if you're buying the company at $100 per share, but you expect to earn 10%, well, you're only going to get 8%. And again, that all assumes that your analysis is accurate and that there's not uncertainty there. And obviously, there is uncertainty. So it's very important that you get your discount rate selected properly. And there are other ways of choosing a discount rate. A very popular method is to base it on relative measures to a risk-free rate, such as the 10-year treasury rate in the United States. Basically, what is the risk-free amount of return that you can receive and adding a premium on top of that. I actually discourage that because... The key thing is is that your risk-free return is different than someone else's risk-free return. And your goals on your investments is different than someone else's. So I can sit here and tell you that I think an 8% rate of return is a proper rate of return. I think a 12% rate of return is a proper rate of return. But that's not going to help you because what's very important is for you to understand what return do you expect on your investments. And that number is the number you need to use for your discount rate. It doesn't matter what I say. It doesn't matter what the media says. It doesn't matter what common personal finance says is a good discount rate. If you're going to be a DIY investor, you need to be able to stand on your own and say, I expect to earn this rate of return. And therefore, that's the number you should use in all Of your discounted cash flow calculations. One mistake that is very common that I've seen investors make is they will use different discount rates to analyze different types of companies. So if they consider that the company is relatively low risk, like let's say Disney, which I talked about in the last episode, they might say, oh, well, with Disney, I'm content with a discount rate of 6%. But if they consider a very what they might think is a high risk company, let's say a gold miner or a pharmaceutical company, maybe they'll use a higher discount rate like 12% and they say, "Well, for risky companies, a 12% discount rate is important because that compensates me for the risk that I'm taking." No, this is not how you need to analyze companies. This is not how a value investor properly invest their money, what you have to do is you have to use the same discount rate for every single type of company. If a company is risky on qualitative measures, stuff that's not related to the numbers, then you shouldn't be investing in it. You should only invest in companies that you are confident and can project cash flows. If you can't project accurate cash flows into the future or have some general level of confidence on what a company is going to perform at going forward, then you aren't investing. You're simply speculating. And so, if you have a need to use a higher discount rate for different types of companies, then you're making a mistake. And so, right there, you need to stop that. And that's why. It is a standard that I encourage you to take where you choose a discount rate and you use that discount rate in every single one of your valuation exercises when you're evaluating companies. This is critically important because the discount rate will drastically change the value that you're, that in your calculation. It is a huge difference where if you make a 2% change in your discount rate from 10% to 12%, you could change the valuation of the company by 35% or something higher, depending upon how far in the time frame is that you're looking at. And so you need to make sure to get this right. So how do I determine my discount rate? So I'm gonna talk about the two different types of discount rates that I have and I'm going to talk about what the actual numbers are that I have chosen to use. And I hope that by understanding why I've made those decisions, you'll be able to better make your own decision. I'm not telling you to use my numbers. I'm telling you that this is how I've thought about it. And I think it's a good example of how you should think about it. So so you should only be using one discount rate in your calculation and it should be the same. However, A quick caveat on that is that discount rates come in two different forms. And it is okay to use one discount rate in either of the two forms that it can come in. What do I mean by this? Your discount rate can either be nominal or real. And a nominal discount rate is pre-inflation and a real discount rate is inflation adjusted. So this is your nominal return versus real return. Most all the time when everyone in the mainstream media discusses discount rates or rates of return, they're referring to nominal rates of return. If you've heard that the stock market returns 10% a year or the stock market returns 8% a year or 9% a year, these are nominal returns. And so if you were to say I wanna earn the same amount as the stock market, then you could choose a nominal return of eight, nine, or 10%, depending upon which stock market you're looking at, which set of stocks you're looking at. And that's how that would work. But what this does is this is a number that is ignoring inflation. It's saying, okay, stocks have historically earned 10% a year, which is true based upon the data that I have reviewed. Stocks have earned 10% a year over the last century. And if you look at that and say, okay, well, this is what stocks have performed. If you were to buy an index fund, and you were say, okay, well, an index fund bought years ago would have returned 10%. 10% sounds good to me. So 10% is a, is a discount rate that you could use. But this discount rate is a nominal discount rate. Again, it doesn't take into account inflation. So the other way you can look at it is to look at an inflation-adjusted discount rate. And this is where you say, okay, if, like, if we say 10% is the number that you want to use for a nominal, then you need to reduce that number by the expectation of inflation that you have. So if your nominal discount rate is 10% and you expect that the long-term inflation rate for your country is 2%, then your real discount rate would be 8%. So now you have one discount rate in two different forms. You have a 10% nominal discount rate and an 8% real discount rate. And what this means is that you can now use either of those two numbers depending upon the type of company that you're looking at. Every company is going to grow in a different manner and some aren't going to grow. Some are going to grow faster than inflation. Some are going to go slower than inflation and some are going to decline. And what this means is that these different discount rates can offer you the ability To address the specific situation for your company. If you know that your company will not grow faster than inflation, but they will at least grow at the inflation rate, they're not going to grow slower than inflation, but their growth is going to match the inflation rate. Then your calculation is improved when you're doing your investment discounted cash flow analysis by not using a nominal discount rate, but using your real inflation-adjusted discount rate. So if we're using our example from before, we said the nominal was 10%, we assumed inflation's 2%, and the real discount rate was 8%, then if you're seeking an 8% annual return, and you're after inflation, and you're confident that your company will simply match inflation on their earnings, they're not going to grow faster than inflation, but they'll match it, then you can discount all future earnings that they're going to have at an 8% discount rate and what that does is if your analysis is correct you should be able to receive an eight percent annual return by buying the stock when the value when the price is less than the value that you get out of that calculation so this is incredibly useful because some companies especially the ones that i'm really interested in are able to regularly and reliably raise their prices or raise their earnings above the inflation rate, or at least matching the inflation rate. And this means that we're able to go just one step deeper in our analysis than the average person is, and you're getting just a little bit more accurate in understanding how these companies are going to work. And that's very useful because if you say your company's going to grow at the inflation rate, but your inflation rate is that you assumed is wrong, you're still protected, and this is important because to get to our eight percent rate, which is what your eight percent is your needed return, your real requested needed return, because you assumed that inflation's going to be two percent. Well, what happens if inflation goes to four percent? You thought it was two, but it's really four. Well, if you bought companies based upon a real inflation-adjusted discount rate of eight percent, but inflation's now at four percent you're still likely to receive your 8% return because the company will have raised their earnings at a 4% rate every year instead of a 2% rate because you've bought the type of company that can raise their earnings faster than inflation. Now, what if you instead you used a 10% nominal discount rate? So in this sense, you didn't take into account what inflation you were prepared for, but you still assumed you thought inflation would be 2%. Well, in this case, you've not given any credit to your company based upon growing faster at the rate of inflation. In fact, what you would have done is you would have assumed a 2% growth rate on your nominal thing. And if the. You might have assumed a 2% growth rate, you might have assumed a different growth rate. But because you didn't impl- explicitly mark that, if inflation goes up, it's quite possible that you will end up getting a lower return than your target real after inflation return. Because now there's only a 2% gap between that nominal and real adjusted rate of return when there should have been a 4% gap if inflation was 4%. Now, assuming all the numbers match perfectly up and you were very clear that your growth rate was 2% to match inflation, and then your nominal rate was the discounted at 10%, you upped it to 2%. So you had a 4% you, you're at targeting 12% on your discount, that 4% reduction would still get you to an 8% return. But by being explicit and having that real adjusted rate of return, you're able to make a better decision. It just makes things more clear when you're doing your analysis. So I think it's very important that not only do you determine your discount rate, but that you have two different types. You have a nominal discount rate and you have a real inflation adjusted discount rate because some companies are better suited for thinking in nominal terms and other companies are better suited for thinking in inflation adjusted returns. And those companies are explicitly those that can grow at least as fast as inflation with their earnings due to some aspect and some quality of their business model. These tend to be high quality companies and they tend to be the type of companies that you want to invest in. My largest position is in a company that is built in inflation adjustments in its earnings. And so I like to use an inflation adjusted real discount rate when I'm analyzing that company. Okay, so I've given a good overview of the two different ways that you should have a discount rate, both a nominal and a real. So now let me discuss what my specific discount rate is that I use and why I've chosen that. So first, let's talk in nominal terms. So in nominal terms, I have selected a 10% discount rate for all of my valuation calculations. And the reason for that is is that it's based in large part by... It's based in large part on the work and research of Jeremy Siegel in his book, Stocks for the Long Run. And I'll have a link to this book in the show notes if you're interested in reading it. But what Stocks for the Long Run talks about is how the historic rate of return for stocks in the United States has been 10% nominal and 6.5% real based upon a long-term rate of inflation of 3.5%. So those are the numbers I've chosen to adopt because what I have determined is that in terms of what I should expect on my investments is I want to at least match, if not beat, the expected growth rate of the overall historic performance of stocks in the United States. I'm not trying to choose some wildly high number like 15%. Even though I would like to perform at that rate, if possible, it's not necessary for my performance. But these investments that I'm making need to at least match what I think is reasonable. And a reasonable number is what history has shown us is to be possible. Now, I do think that achieving a 10% nominal annual return has gotten more and more difficult Over time, as the popularity of investing in stocks has increased, the risk premium for stock investing has likely gone down. And this means that it's become harder and harder to achieve a nominal 10% return. So I think going forward, you're going to see index returns lower than 10% starting to become on the range of 8% or 6%. As investing has become more popular, as more people are being aware that stocks are. A very good investment for long-term performance and so what that means is that I do think by selecting a 10% nominal return that if I were to achieve a 10% nominal return on my investments that I would be outperforming indexes and I believe that in the, that specifically now in 2019 with stock markets at all-time highs heavily overvalued that I would be significantly outperforming the S&P 500 if I were to achieve a 10% nominal return over the long term. Now, my real inflation adjusted return assumes a 3.5% inflation rate, just like history, which means that my real target discount rate is 6.5% returns over the long term. So what does this mean in terms that we can really understand? Basically, in order a six and a half percent real return will double your after inflation money, your purchasing power, every eleven years. And this has been historically the performance that stocks have returned in the United States. And I believe it would also be a reasonable return to expect for myself. So that means that if inflation is high, I'm still going to double my purchasing power over eleven years, and if inflation is low, I would expect to potentially perform even better because I'm assuming a three and a half percent inflation rate. So if inflation turns out to be lower than that, then I would expect even stronger returns. Now so what does this mean? Um when we think about these inflation rates, it becomes really important to understand what your expectations are for inflation. If you follow mainstream financial media or mainstream discussions, current inflation rates at least reported by the United States government in the CPI numbers are about 2%, maybe a little bit below 2%. And it's quite possible that this number is going to stay below 2% for for a long period of time and around that amount my gut is that we are in a period of incredibly low inflation rates and that it is best to plan for a much higher inflation rate and although you could choose a number like three percent you could choose a number like four percent you could choose high numbers like six percent i can't predict the future but I think a minimum baseline for an inflation rate is to at least match the inflation we have seen over the last hundred years. And that is a three and a half percent inflation rate in the United States, which I think is reasonable as a starting line for discussing an inflation adjusted discount rate. And, I encourage you to read Stocks for the Long Run by Jeremy Siegel. It's a very good book. Again, I'll have a link in the show notes for you to consider purchasing that yourself if you'd like. And it goes into all sorts of data about how these numbers were derived and why they reflect historical performance. But the reason you need to make sure that you get the inflation rate number right is that you don't want to be too aggressive in your target discount rate either. So if you're assuming an inflation-adjusted 8% return, it might, whenever you raise that discount rate, you are lowering the valuation that you place on companies. And so if your discount rate is abnormally high than what you actually need, what you're doing is you're making it more and more difficult for you to justify buying a company. And this can be helpful. It will definitely winnow down the number of companies that you're willing to purchase. And it will limit your opportunities. But you want to make sure that your number just reflects what your honest belief is about the future. So for me, I think inflation is going to be higher in the future than it is now. Over the last 100 years, we've seen times of low inflation. And we've seen times of very, very high inflation. And if you include other countries like Germany or in the 30s or during their hyperinflation, or if you look at Venezuela, Venezuela today, which has hyperinflation, you'll see that it is quite possible for inflation rates to run incredibly high and much higher than we're currently experiencing. So I use a non nominal 10% discount rate and a real 6.5% discount rate. And I will use these numbers in different ways, of course. Just like our previous examples, if my company is expected to grow earnings at a minimum, at least as fast as inflation, then I like to use my 6.5% discount rate because it means that all of my numbers are now inflation-adjusted that I'm using in my analysis. And I only discuss growth rates of higher than 0% if those growth rates exceed inflation. So if I think they'll beat inflation by 1%, I don't use a 4.5% growth rate. I use a 1% growth rate. And that 1% growth rate would compare to my 6.5% discount rate. So I realize I've used a lot of numbers in this podcast. But I think the key for you to understand is that you need to have one discount rate when you do your valuations. You should use the same discount rate for all companies and that discount rate can come in two different forms. You need to have a nominal version and a real inflation-adjusted version because some companies are going to grow nominally where they can't be assured that they're going to beat inflation. They can only assure to grow in a nominal manner and you need to have an inflation-adjusted discount rate for those special companies that are able to ensure their earnings at least maintain themselves in an inflationary environment. So thank you very much for listening to this podcast. If this has been helpful for you today, I encourage you to join my patron program. Or leave a rating and review on the podcast. If you can't support the show financially, I would really appreciate you giving me a rating and review in your podcast player. That helps me to grow the show and expand my audience. Of course, you can become a patron at diyinvesting.org patron. And your financial support is what allows me to continue creating this in free investing content without any advertisements. Thank you for listening. And until next time, stop paying fees. Start Building Wealth. Thank you for listening to the DIY Investing Podcast. Please visit our website and subscribe to our email list at DIYinvesting.org for guides, videos, and resources to help make you a better investor. The DIY Investing Podcast is presented for general informational and entertainment purposes only. I have not considered your specific situation or risk profile, and I have not provided investment advice. The information presented on the DIY Investing Podcast should not be construed as investment advice. The views and opinions expressed on the DIY Investing Podcast are those of the participants and do not necessarily reflect those of the show's host or sponsors.